Superior Podcast. I'm Walt Lindela. And I'm Frida Wara. We are made stronger by story, and there's no better source than the continent's largest body of fresh water, Lake Superior. So join us as we highlight the five national parks that ring this greatest of the Great Lakes, meet the people, tour the places, and learn about the projects that make these parks and body of water so remarkable. This podcast made possible with the support of the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation and Media Brew Communications. I'm Walt Lindela. Frida Wara. And we are here with the Lake Superior podcast today where we talk about all kinds of things going on with the national parks around Lake Superior. It is a lovely day today to be talking to our guest today, Frida, and you kind of found her sort of just doing a little research. I really, it's so exciting to know that of these five parks, so the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation includes Pictured Rocks that's close to us here in Marquette, and they are actually in Munising, Michigan. And then, of course, Michigan also has the Keweenaw National and then Isle Royal. And as we are heading west, we get to the Apostle Islands. But way up north, Walt, (laughs) is a very special place. In fact, you can almost say it's next to Canada, eh? (laughs) Well, this is, of course, the Grand Portage National Monument. Absolutely. And it can be your jumping off spot if you wanted to go to Isle Royale. It's one of the closest places to get to Windigo, but you're going to want to spend time at Grand Portage because of the rich, rich history there. And, 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 you know, the thing that's nice about this is we were able to get a hold of the Chief of Interpretation at Grand Portage National Monument, and that is Anna Deshaw. Anna, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for reaching out and having me today. I'm very happy to have you here. Uh, Frida and I were talking before we uh, started doing the recording here today about Grand Portage National Monument and where you are. So why don't we just start right there? Tell folks where you're located. Yeah, we are located on the Grand Portage Indian Reservation. Grand Portage National Monument is actually located entirely within the reservation boundaries. And Grand Portage is the very tip of the arrowhead in the state of Minnesota, nestled between Lake Superior to the south and Ontario to the north. So we have two um, bodies of water to our south and our north, the Pigeon River and Lake Superior. Okay, so you're the chief of interpretation. What does that mean? What do you do? I am basically, what I do as the chief of interpretation is I manage the interpretive programming. So I think... You know, when people hear the word interpretation, there's different connotations. And maybe some people don't really realize what interpretation is or what interpreters do. And what my job is, is to facilitate how the story of Grand Portage National Monument is told. So really, as visitors come to Grand Portage National Monument, everything that they experience from the moment that they drive into the parking lot through their experience here at the park we're telling our story, and that's my job is to facilitate my staff and the park in how we tell that story to people who visit us. And what a story you have to tell. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, Grand Portage has an amazing story. Like I said, we are entirely located within the Grand Portage Indian Reservation, and what's really cool about our park here is that the land was 
originally it was part of the reservation land, and it was back in the 1950s when there was an arrangement between the federal government, the Department of Interior, and the Grand Portage Band, where the land was actually exchanged to the Department of the Interior so that it could be a national park for everybody to enjoy. So that was kind of a gift, you know, that the Grand Portage people gave to everybody. And really, you know, when you talk to folks and when you look at the history of what was the reason, you know, why was a national park here considered from the band's perspective, a lot of it had to do with uh, creating jobs for folks at a time that there wasn't a whole lot of economic development here. And, um, you know, looking into tourism, because if you haven't been to Grand Portage, it's a special place on Lake Superior, like all of these parks are. But truly, we have so many beautiful resources here and such a rich, beautiful story to share. And we're really excited to share it with people. We're talking with Anna DeShaw today. She is Chief of Interpretation at Grand Portage National Monument. And a moment ago, you described it as the tip of the arrowhead in Minnesota. What would you tell first-time visitors coming to Grand Portage, and what, what do you want people to know about the park? Well, like I said before, one of our really special things is our relationship with the Grand Portage Band. So I myself, I'm a Grand Portage Band member. I'm a tribal enrollee, and I have lived here in the community for all of my life. So I really consider that, you know, paramount in what we do. We tell the story of Grand Portage. And because of our geography here in Grand Portage, because of the land that this this monument, this park sits upon, we were a really special place throughout history. One of the things that we really focus on when we tell the story here is the fur trade. You know, we have this historic site that's open from Memorial Day through Indigenous Peoples Day in October that is just robust and lively with um, living history demonstrations. We have an interpretive staff who is so knowledgeable about the history here. And um, we have shelters and buildings and artifacts and just all sorts of things, sounds and smells, that really help the visitors immerse themselves in what it would have been like to be here back in the 1790s. However, in Grand Portage, this beauty here, even though the fur trade is long gone, still really exists. We have hiking trails. Like I said, we're connected to the Pigeon River through the Grand Portage Trail, so there are backcountry opportunities, camping and hiking. And um, what we really want is for people to share in the celebration of Grand Portage that we here hold in our hearts. It's very interesting. And, and Frida, you know, this when we hear this kind of thing, it sounds like to me and maybe to you, Frida, as well, that uh, this is an opportunity to experience things that may have a certain backcountry feel to them, and, and but they can still learn more about even in a more modern way. Absolutely. And to know your background Anna, you were both a sociology and an anthropology student from St. Olaf, and how those now have weaved together, and that backstory of being a, a product right there of the reservation. And years ago, when they made the designation of the reservation into the National Park property, looking forward to jobs, I can't imagine a more suitable person for the job that you have. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And I really think that that's you know, one of the goals that we have here as a park, all of our staff are great and committed and knowledgeable and really invested in this space. But one of the things about 
being a person from Grand Portage in this position is that I'm connected to it through my roots, you know, through my family history. Both of my grandparents, my grandfathers, James Corcoran and Norman Dishaw Sr., worked in the maintenance division at um, the monument here. And my dad was, you know, one of the crafters of the annual funding agreement that we have with the Grand Portage Band. He was tribal chairman for years, and he worked with then-superintendent Tim Cochran to draft an annual funding agreement which what that really means is it's um, part of the self-governance legislation, and that means that the band has co-management opportunities, so they really have a voice in how we do things here at the monument. And, you know, we really, really work to employ local folks, and that just, I think, really helps not only the community but also the park, and I think that the visitors can really see that as well. We're talking today with uh, Anna Deshaw, who is the Chief of Interpretation at Grand Portage National Monument. Anna, I have to ask you, with this personal history, this understanding of the, the heritage, the culture, uh, the lifeways of, of the indigenous people in the area, how do you feel that uh, this bridge between the heritage, uh, between the Native community and uh, the uh, the area serves to make this a better place to make Grand Portage a good place to visit? Well, I think that one of the things that we can do here being nestled right within the community is to really connect with the community, to hear community voices, community stories, and community priorities in how we tell the story here. So, you know, you can do a lot of research. We have a tremendous amount of, um, you know, documentation, and there's so much written about the fur trade era in Grand Portage. It really was an epicenter of the fur trade, you know, being the headquarters of the Northwest Company. It's a very, very rich archaeological site. But one of the things that I think makes Grand Portage National Monument so special is hearing from those voices from Grand Portage people. Because even though we may interpret a time of history primarily, what's really important to me that people understand when they come here is that Grand Portage is still a living and thriving community. And that Ojibwe culture that has always been present here is still a living and breathing thing. And so through that continual connection with the community, bringing in new stories, hearing, um, you know, other people's perspective, it's important to then take those stories and make them available for people who come to visit us. And I think that's a really, really special thing is our, uh, I guess, continued evolution with the community here in being part of it and making sure that we show the visitors that that connection still exists and that we're both growing together. Anna, the word that seems to just echo in my head right now when I'm talking with you is the word authentic. Are you feeling that? that, I mean, there is just not another way to to describe (laughs) that. And, And I guess moving on to one other piece of that is that as this connection happens, you get to also be that, storage that that um the place the sacred place that when there are gifts that are to be made to the park you are the one that it's it's coming to you i i um taking a step back i know you got a special gift last fall i believe from isle royal 
Yeah, so one of the things um, that we have here in Grand Portage is we have a heritage center, and that is one of our newer additions to the park, I suppose. But within that heritage center, we have really great exhibit space. We have awesome exhibits. But one of the things that was really important that we put in was a really state-of-the-art museum curation facility. So as a result of that, we have the facility. We have an excellent museum technician who does a great job and really cares for things well. And um, as a result of that, we were able to work with Isle Royal. And it wasn't necessarily a gift because Isle Royal National Park still is the property owner of these mats, of these um, hand-woven mats made of cedar bark. And I believe there's one made of sweetgrass. And those are just incredible pieces of art. You know, they're they're beautiful, they're intricate, they're just awe-inspiring when you look at them. And they were made by an Ojibwe woman. Her name was Helen Linklater, or Chikiwis was her Ojibwe name, and she lived out at Isle Royale for a period of time, she and her husband. And when she lived out there, she made some of these masks, and some of them um, she would sell to visitors to the island and people who would come back and forth, you know, they developed a relationship with her, and then, you know, they bought some of these mats from her, and they were then donated to Isle Royale National Park. So it was a very cool thing, you know, number one, because of our facility, we have the ability to care for these types of objects, but there was there was really more behind it, too. Well, we may not be, I guess, what you would call the property owners of these mats, it's really special because they were brought you know, brought across the water, and like you said before, Lake Superior is really the thing with all of us Lake Superior parks. One thing that we have in common is this lake. It absolutely has a spirit, and it absolutely connects us all through the culture of its people here. And so to have those mats coming across the water was really special because they could be um, more accessible to folks. I mean, we don't have a space right now where... We're planning on displaying them or anything like that. But one of the really cool things that we're able to do is that, you know, we're able to arrange with descendants and family members of Chikiwas to be able to come in and to be able to see these works of art and have these these items of the National Park Service really, really be a connector of people. And to me, that's what makes it really super special. We're talking with Anna Deshaw, who is the Chief of Interpretation at Grand Portage National Monument here on Lake Superior Podcast. Uh, you know, Anna, I'm hearing a lot of uh, reverence for heritage, uh, reverence for cultural ways in what you're talking about, especially what is uh, for folks to access at Grand Portage at the National Monument. Can you tell us maybe a little bit of some of the projects that might be coming up that might be along these lines in the summer, upcoming events, even into the years to come? Sure. Well, you know, as we all know, COVID-19 has really put a halt on our ability to firmly plan events. And so I do want to exercise a little bit of caution in setting anything in stone because, you know, we just don't know what the next, the next little while is, is going to bring to us. But um, what I do know is that every year, except this past summer, we have an annual rendezvous. 
and that is always the second weekend of August every year, and it is just a fantastic event, and that is a true collaboration between, or it's a co-event between the Ground Portage National Monument and the Ground Portage community. So the same weekend every year, the community holds its traditional celebration powwow, and we hold our rendezvous, and at that time we have reenactors that come to reenact the fur trade of this great rendezvous weekend, and that's, you know, a remnant of what would happen in the summertime here at Grand Portage when everybody, the Native people as well as, um, you know, company partners would meet here at Grand Portage and have a celebration before everybody headed off to different locations in the interior for the winter. So we've continued that tradition by really bringing everybody together that second week in August. And we have different activities every single year. So there's always something exciting going on. We have different workshops that we set up, different classes, and we have reenactors doing all sorts of demonstrations. So that's something right now that I can point to that if you're looking for a really exciting, really rich time to come up here to Ground Portage to visit us, that is the time when you absolutely will not be disappointed. Second weekend of August every year. And I do have to ask you, if people have questions, maybe they want to stay uh, up to date with things that are happening at uh, Grand Portage. Is there a particular website or a way of finding that out, or you maintain a Facebook page? Is there any updates like that? We do. We have a Facebook page. It's Ground Portage National Monument, and whenever we have any sort of special events or programming, we put it up on the Facebook page. We put announcements there as our, um, you know, if our hours are changing or anything like that. So that's a really good go-to place for information. We've also done a couple of cool um, kind of virtual exhibits and some education through that page as well. If you go to that Facebook page, you can also see pictures of the Linklater mats that we were talking about before. We did do a post about that a while back. And then we have our Grand Portage National Monument website, which is nps.gov slash grpo. And one thing that I do want to mention about our website is that we produced a film um, about the story of the monument, and it is an extremely well-produced film, and it, what it really does is it introduces you to the story that we tell here, and that, that full film is on our website. It's about 22 minutes long, and we have that version done in English, and we also have an Ojibwe language version, which is very cool to check out as well. So that's within the past couple of months that, that that's been up on the website, and so I'd really encourage anybody, if you're interested, to learn more about the story to look at that film, and that'll give you a really good introduction about about us here in Ground Portage. What was that website again for folks? nps.gov backslash grpo. Boy, Frida, this has been a lot of fun to talk with Anna here today. I mean, this is something to, to hear all these different stories and bits that are there. Absolutely. And to know that that heritage is alive. So many times our just our connection to the past just somehow gets erased, becomes anonymous. And to know that people like Anna and places like Grand Portage are really heralding that whole 
showcasing the story. And for you and I, Walt, it's always about the story. That must be that Finlander root we've got in us so. that talks about story. You know, Finns, they don't really talk much unless they have a story to tell. <laughs> yeah. You guys would fit in well in the story. <laughs> you know, and you can, you can bet that we'll probably be up there and visiting with you, Anna. And we really, we really want you to know that your work means so much. And I don't know for sure. I actually are going to make me now research out of the 400 plus national park properties. How many have had this relationship on a reservation? Mm -hmm. Do you know? I don't know exactly, but I do know that there are some. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I know that there are some specifically in the Navajo Nation and um, Alaska for sure, as well as I believe out in Montana. So I can't give you a specific number, but I can tell you that um, there are national parks that are, you know, really working with tribal communities. To me, that makes a lot of sense because a lot of these really, you know, special sites that we all love and cherish and find something really beautiful. And well, those have been special sites to the people who have always lived here for a really long time. There's a reason they're special, right? So um, these partnerships that different national parks have with the indigenous communities that are close to them, I think are really important and are really special. And I'm, I'm really excited that Ground Portage is one. Anna, thank you for your time today. It has been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. And hopefully we'll get some folks to come on by and check out the park and the monument. Again, before we wrap up, what's the website to see the film and stay uh, in contact with you guys? It's nps.gov backslash grpo, and you can check out our Facebook page. It's Grand Portage National Monument. Anna, thank you so very much. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. You know, Frida, that's just a, it, just a great story about the partnership between the Native American community in the region and the Park Service. And, and it, it's it, like, like Anna said, it's not something that exists on a wide scale. It's out there, but we have it here right here on Lake Superior. Yeah, right here in our backyard, really. Yeah. And to know that, I use the word authentic, to know that we have people in positions it is really deep in Anna's roots to be mm-hmm. telling the story. And I see that the idea that our national parks are not just a place to go for a picnic or a hike or a bike or a paddle or, or a ski, but you can learn not only about the people of the past, but of our the area. The people of today. The people of the past and how they connect to the people of today. That's what it's all about when we talk about what's going on with these parks uh, through the the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation and this podcast. I do want to thank everybody for giving a few minutes of their time to listen to us. And and I think we'll wrap it up with that. And hopefully you'll be able to join us again on our podcast. I'm Walt Lindela. And Frida Wara. And we invite you, if you have any tips or stories or things you'd like to share, to visit us. And you can do that by contacting the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation. Go on to our Facebook page and send us a message. The National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation, NPLSF, is the only official nonprofit 501c3 fundraising partner of the National Park Service for all five U.S. National Park sites on Lake Superior. To learn more about NPLSF projects and programs, you can visit the website at nplsf.org or friend them on Facebook. I'm Frida Wara. And I'm Walt Lindela. Thanks for listening to the Lake Superior Podcast.
This podcast made possible with the support of the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation and Media Brew Communications.